Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Nerdwatch Podcast. We are here, third day of the amazing Hawaii Comic Con. Uh, myself, G-Money, I'm also uh, joined by uh, one of the partners of Nerdwatch, Gannon. He's in the house as well. Uh, we are joined by an absolute legend in the business, um, uh, at, at least for us. He may, he, may, he may think differently, but we think of him as a legend. He, he basically crafted some of our childhoods. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to have on the show Chris Claremont in our booth today. Sir, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, uh, I'm doing fantastic. Well, Chris, um, uh, just because I have an audience of, uh, of a lot of people, for those that may not know, sir, would you please let them know who you are and why to me and I to think Gannon, if we have to tell people who Chris Claremont such, is on something called Nerdwatch. Well, just something's wrong. J- just because <laughs> I want to make sure what it that makes you such a legend to us. Uh, <laughs> well, in its bluntest technical terms, yes, sir. I wrote the X Men for more years than anyone cares to count. Seventeen in a stretch, the first stretch, and basically the films are all my fault. <laughs> And you have crafted more X, uh, X-Men themselves. You have created more X-Men as well. Is that correct? Uh, more than what? More, well, in the universe, you are responsible for the majority of the characters, yes? Yeah, that we all so. Know. Yeah. <laughs> now, um... It was a dirty job, but as the saying goes, someone had to do it. Someone had to do it. Now, Chris, for you, um, uh, uh, let's get a little backstory on your life in comic books and in the arts, uh, we only got. We've only got them for like ten or so minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to. I, I came. I saw. I conquered. <laughs> That's right. Um, for you, when uh, was this? Was being an artist something that that happened when you were you when you were a youth, or was well, it something no, no, that happened no. a later man has in life? To know his limitations. An artist, I am not. <laughs> writer, yes. Artist, no. Right, right. Well, as a as a writer, were you? Was this something you found out when you were younger, or was this something that you found out that you were good at when you became older? I've, I've run into a lot of uh, creators here that found themselves doing it when they were really young, or getting into it when they were in their like late twenties. So it kind of runs the gamut that they find their talent and they like it. Well. For me, I mean, my original major in university was political theory. Ah. Uh, my secondary major, which became my primary major as time wore on, was acting. Right. Um, I never really thought about writing. Right. Uh, I like to think I was a, a fairly good actor. Uh, that was my ambition, was to make it my career. Sure. Um, it just that you know someone asked me what I used to I always get asked what I think of you know writing and I said well what do you think of breathing and they look confused I said look you don't think about breathing but it's absolutely essential to survival sure for me that's writing I don't think of it as a pleasure or as a joy, it's it is a natural part of who I am as a person. I do it like I breathe. It's it's necessary for survival. The the surprise and the delight, I guess, is that I'm I turned out to be good at it. Uh, not only good at it, at least for the, the two men sitting at this table right now, and probably everybody that's part of this booth think you're great at it. Um, would, when you fantasized about what you would be writing 
Would you ever think in your wildest dreams that you would be responsible for writing probably one of the uh, greatest uh, superhero teams of all time? Or, or was this your, or was this what you wanted to write about? W- were there other things other than, say, comic books that you wanted to write about? Well, I, I wrote stories. I wrote right. short stories. I fit, like every kid, I fantasized about writing screenplays. Sure. Uh, comic books was something I, I stumbled into. Right. The X-Men was something I jumped into when the opportunity arose primarily for the chance to work with Dave Cockrum. Oh, very cool. Uh, and to work on these characters that he had just created right. in Giant Size X-Men number one. Storm, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, well, not so much Wolverine, but uh, Colossus. I mean, these were wonderful, original, for me, fascinating characters. I wanted to to learn more about them. Right, right. So when you're pitched this, are you all of a sudden going, this sounds amazing? It wasn't a, I wasn't pitched it. Oh, you weren't pitched. Okay. Len Wein, was edi- I was, he was editor-in-chief of Marvel. I was associate editor, which meant he was number one, I was number two. Right. Uh, he and... Dave were working on Giant Size Number One. Right. My office, well, my desk. We didn't have offices. He, well, Len had an office, and foolishly, he kept not shutting the door, so I kept sneaking in <laughs> while he and Dave were plotting the story. Right. Because it was, it sounded like a cool story and really cool characters. And Dave was one of the best artists in the comic book business, and certainly one of the best character creators right. ever. Right. And it just sounded really, really cool. And I had the social skills of a mute. I just wanted in. <laughs> and when Len decided he could not write the series right. and was about to offer it up to whomever wanted it, I just didn't give him the chance. I just kicked in the door and jumped on him and said, I want it. Oh, you, oh, so you were the one that was like, I'm taking this. and I, Well, he was giving it up, and I was fine. If you're giving it up, I'll write it. Fantastic. Well, listen. And to get rid of me, he said, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, joining us on the podcast as well as Alika, um, if there's someone who's uh, I don't mean to butt in every so often, but one of I big- just worship you. Thank you so much, <laughs> sir. I was just about to warn you about Alika. He owns Maui Comics and Collectibles, and he's also, he does, there's an altar of your image at his shop. That Don't he prays to. Shh, shh, shh. I, Come on, Gene. Is that like an alter ego and alter image? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a picture of Chris Claremont from there, and he's good looking. Ooh. And oddly enough, because he's a picture, he shuts up. <laughs> oh, so, I like the fact that you talk so much. It's so, these stories are amazing. Yeah. I, I, by the word. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're paying attention. I know, I'm, I'm paying attention. We have a metaphor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. Claremont, here, uh, another question for you. How do you maintain such a wild imagination um, with these characters I mean your your brain well, must not work just with those characters I mean well you must work them your yeah, brain must at work your other book what is the name in that book that the uh, medieval themed uh, Merida or um, Murata. Murata. The, yeah. that I was actually here, I Jim heard Shooter's you... mother came up with the name was wow. it like a play on Marauder maybe? no it was no? just it it was the evolution of a pre-existing com- concept that John Bolton and I were working on 
that Marvel lost the license to, and we basically, I felt we'd done this brilliant original story, visually brilliant. I, certainly. Yeah, I was going to say when I and I, uh, I didn't book. want it to just shrivel, so we we went to Jim, and before we could, I could say we'd like to buy it back. He said, "How about we just sell it to you? You guys can do it as your own." <laughs> You're wow. just there at the right time, it seems. Well, like. and Jim was in a remarkably ethical and decent mood. <laughs> As opposed to... No, 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 I'm just, yeah. Different, you know, it's just the right... Being in the right place at the right time with the right attitude on all the parties involved. I mean, Archie Goodwin, as editor of Epic, wanted the series... Uh, John Bolton and I wanted to find a way to get it out. Uh, I ended up publishing that, by the way, because Marvel I didn't did. See, that, that was Marvel. Oh, yeah. okay, that was Epic. No, it was it was one of the the major events of the first year of Epic Illustrated, which was 80, 88? 88, That late, really? Might have been. Oh, oh maybe it was earlier. I'd have to go back. And, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, but the whole idea was Marvel wanted to. Create a publishing venue for creator-owned, non-code, non-superhero. Well, I hope you're not offended by the comparison, but a lot of people drew a parallel between that and heavy metal, uh, like yeah, an I don't think magazine. It's, an un- it's. I don't think that's unjustified. Uh, the difference, I think, was that Epic was meant to be. Geared towards an American audience as opposed to a sure. European audience, and to appeal to present less American. Sex. No, not less <laughs> sex, less, but the American style of storytelling okay. is different from the European style. Sure, gotcha. Um, I did a, a series, started a series for. Uh, European, a European publisher uh, that um, called Wanderers, which was part okay, of. Okay, geez, I, somebody just introduced me to that the other day. I didn't. There's an artist, Theo Lee, locally, and he does prints of different Marvel. And he's, mm-hmm. he points out these characters. I'm like, who are these guys? He's like, oh, these are the Wanderers. It's like, Ooh. I've never heard of them before well, uh, until last week. To it was. Me that picture. It's, it was set set in the 800s. Uh, oh, wow. No, okay. I think you may have right. a different Wanderers than me. Okay, yeah. He was, I think it was a hero-based Wanderers that he had shown me. No, okay. uh, but it, they, uh, basically it's a clutch of young, of young early medieval post-fall of the Empire uh, characters. Um, it's derived from the continuity of, of a series that, that John and I worked on did call the Black Dragon. John Bolton. Yes. And the idea was that why I liked the end of the the 7th century, beginning of the 8th, well, the 8th century, 9th century, that point in time. Sure. The the Roman Empire had just fallen. Islam had not come into existence yet. Uh, Muhammad was still... It's, a, it's an interesting a, time that still affects everything. Well, everything was up for grabs. Right. Sure, the Roman yeah. Empire had just fallen. China was in 
a last uh, great resurgence for a thousand years. Um, it was a, a point of flux. And for me, that was the ideal setting for what I had to set in mind. And the premise of it was it is the immediate aftermath of the death of Arthur. King Interesting. Arthur. Mm -hmm. Wow. Except Interesting. maybe not. We don't know if he's dead. Oh, well, that's, okay. what it's ambiguous. that's what we set up at the oh, beginning. Okay. That's what you find out in the first, in the first volume. Right. And this sends our heroes on a quest that will take them around the world at a point in time where in the concept of the, the, the series the old gods and the new gods are in conflict the the, the manifestations we're good we can still hear you <laughs> sorry no no it's not your fault at all because we can we're in a comic con by the way folks so if you can't tell with the announcements in the background yeah <laughs> yeah it's just fine because we can over talk to boy was he pissed did he say something no, he wasn't pleased about it. So, but uh, I can actually still hear you on the on the on the microphone. So this is where the virtue of cutting comes in. Yeah. Oh wait, we're live. Oh. Let's flush it. Heck no. There are more rins running around. Those cosplays are so adorable, man. Well, no, but they look really cool. That's on the main Oh my gosh, I tell you. Also, Star character that actually looks attractive. <laughs> That's not the kind I want to see in movies. For sure. Well, for sure. originally Luke was supposed to be a girl. I'd so if Rin is the contemporary evolution of what Luke should have been back in the day, who knows? Man, don't get us started on Star Wars. I So let's get back to the Wanderers. No, so the, the idea... <laughs> We fought it enough about yeah, it. <laughs> but, but the idea was that um, this picks up and so wait, 20 this, years this after. This is The Wanderers, and yeah. it was published, right, by... The first volume was published in Europe. By in Soleil. Europe, by Soleil. And, and that, Soleil has an American branch, don't they? Don't they? Well, the, the goal was the, the, the three volumes would come out in Europe, and then because I held the North American rights... Oh, okay, okay. I would, I would find a publisher... And we publish it over here as a graphic novel. Okay. Put all three volumes together. Wow. And see how. And the idea was. I'm if guessing it, that if it sold. It would go on. And what happened was the first issue did not sell. Did not meet the projections or the hopes of the publisher. Sure. The second issue was penciled and inked, but they decided to scrap the project, and and it was a partnership between Panini and Soleil and they didn't get along right. and they split apart so the rights were actually held by Panini and uh, Panini just didn't know what they wanted to do with it so it's been sitting in a drawer there for 10 years now oh my gosh but the, the annoying thing was the third issue was scripted as a full script but the artist script. was hired by Marvel oh. and stopped working on Wanderers and oh. went went west wow. does that happen a lot with like artists or writers get taken up by different projects while you're in the middle of something oh sure yeah. well, there must be so many things on the table from Chris Claremont that we haven't seen yet you have you actually they're, they're all on my table <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> Can you go no, finish them off for you? There's a Michael Golden project that's been sitting in the drawer for since 1987. Goodness. goodness gracious! Uh, there's are any of these licensed properties? Well, the Michael the Michael Golden was originally a Superman story that oh, wow. I got wow. special permission from Marvel to write. Wow! My, it was going to be my one and only Superman. Oh, Little did I man. know. But it, Chris Claremont, could you imagine that? I can't even. Oh, it, I've got eight, 12 pages of really gorgeous art. Oh. Can but, we buy them? No, no, <laughs> oh, they're just Xeroxes. <laughs> No, the ambition actually is Michael and I've. Uh, the story is it's still a good story, and right. so you know just to raise Man of Steel and do it as our own. Are you able to divulge any details of that, or is it something that still might happen? Oh no, it's we, we it, come over to the table and take a look at. It. Oh, okay. fantastic! You can draw your own conclusions. <laughs> well, uh, basically, yeah. Um, you got aliens. You got Australia. You got. The hero, the hero's old girlfriend um, yes. from college. <laughs> um, attempted murder, uh, interplanetary genocide, um, and the potential for an ongoing right, series. For sure. Well, listen, before... before uh, on the main stage, we're going to table. <laughs> your, your wife just showed up, and thank you very much for letting us have it. So let me. Um, there's also. There's. Usually with a pencil. Pencils are how you draw for kids. Crayons sometimes. No, pencils. Crayons are just. I'm not cutting this this interview. This is great the way it is. But uh, no, but I. I then uh, there's a, a story that. Um, Another French artist and I were doing that was for heavy metal, and they then went bankrupt in middle in mid in mid production, having paid me but not him. So, Ooh, <laughs> out of curiosity, who is the artist? Uh, out of curiosity, you'll have to ask me when we get there. So uh, sure, um, but it's that's really basically um, nineteen set in the turn of the twentieth century. 1899, and aliens, terrestrials, tumult in outer space, giant uh, giant uh, whales on a planet. And, is this know. still the Superman script? Oh, no, no. This, this is no, totally see, whatever he's, for heavy metal. He's already yeah, sold me, so wherever yeah. I can get this. I know, for real. <laughs> uh, you should just do oh, a book of unfinished scripts. Well, no, the problem is, I mean, we paid John Bolton and I had talked about doing a fourth Murata. Oh, wow. The problem is that to do it right, it would run about 96 pages. Right. Which means we would probably need an advance of somewhere between 100 and 150K. Wow. And publishers just... <laughs> without you know, That's why there's everything is licensed yeah. properties nowadays, because nobody's willing to risk anything. Well, of course. Yeah. And, and, you know, why should... I mean, I mean, the I attitude at Marvel is, why should we publish right. uh, Epic or even, uh, oh, God. Well, a, a creator-owned series. Sure, sure. Uh, why should we pay for it 
when we can publish one of our own series right. and license that for yeah, a movie and rake in, and rake in all the bucks. Rake in all the bucks. Uh, but that, I mean, this is how John Romita Jr. and Mark Millar, I think, did Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. That was done through, not, a, it wasn't Epic, it was, um, can't remember what Marvel's creator or title was about five years ago, eight years ago. But they did it there, almost, I think, on spec, and then but sold it as a, as a film. And they got two movies out of it. So. I think if Chris Claremont yeah. decided to kickstart something, I guarantee it would get funded. Oh, Jesus. In the first day. I would guarantee that. I, you know, this is a conversation you should have with my wife who runs the business. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the shape of things now, and crowdfunding is a very legitimate Man. source, yeah, especially but, for a large name yeah. like Chris Claremont. Well, the, the problem is always then you have to convince the artist to, right. to, to invest hang around for a, yeah. a year to draw it. Sure, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. It's sure. It's... Uh, what used to happen is, I mean, back in the day, uh, Bantam Books offered a three-book deal for graphic novels where they were willing to pay 90K a volume. So Jeez. the idea was 30 for the writer, 60 for the artist. So 100 pages at, at 600 bucks a page, that's not a bad... It's fairly we're decent. talking $1990. Sure. So this is, a, this is decent money. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't find any artists to take it. Wow. Because they could earn as much or more from Marvel. Wow. For doing covers. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I pitched one, one uh, artist, and the next thing I knew, he, he called that, the company and said, if you're looking for work, I can write and draw my own stuff. And you want to, you know. <laughs> I said, like, oh, God, you know. That's not fair. But uh, you're So that's why I'm writing, when I say I'm writing a novel, it has the virtue of only, the only person I get to yell out is me. So your voice is going nowhere because your mind works a mile a minute. You're more imaginative than most people that are in this room right now. Um, and I guess, I guess my question. Well, you know, this is how, this is where you, you th- sit back and think, it's all timing. I, I sent a, a novel pitch, chapters and outlines, to uh, Ace Books back in the day, and I got rejected. Why did he get rejected? Well, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but Stephen King's about to come out with a, st- a novel which is remarkably similar sure, to yours. Yeah. Uh-oh. And I said... God, darn it, what? Stephen King! You, <laughs> you, you! That's, so a hard that's a hard name to go up against. But I, well, this I is a, say bear in mind this is in 1983 a, when okay, it, you yeah, know, he's like, it's like he's the, hot like fire, yeah. right? Well, but you know, but Chris Claremont's coming off of the X Men, right? There. Well, <laughs> well, you, I mean, I was still in the yeah, but maybe not. The X Men weren't proven by the mid 80s then. Yeah, maybe. But you know, it's Stephen King, and you don't want to get you don't want to get involved in people yelling at you. For sure. And it was like, you know, God, Stephen, you couldn't do something else this month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to do a murdering car. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, so the, I, you know, to quote Rosanna Rosanna, then it's always something. Yeah. Well, listen, I know you're short on time. I, want, I know you want to get out of here. I do have one last question for you. It's kind of a kind of a tough question, but you are. You're a legend for us, and you're a legend in this business, and everybody knows it. My question is, for you as an art, for, as, as a writer, um, and having so much material that you do have, are you okay with being defined by 
your work with the X-Men? I mean, if you're... If, if that, if that's because you need defined like the, by a, a comic that in it, at its peak had a sale of 7.8 yes. million copies. World record. Yes. yes. Gee, I don't know. A concept like that spawned that, nine <laughs> major films. Yeah. Soon to be ten and possibly eleven next year if they do Mr. Sinister and maybe <laughs> yeah. Dark Phoenix. And Brian Cranston wants to be Mr. Sinister. Well, I, I know that some... Are, you are, shitting me? Yeah, he's, he's made that plea like almost last year. <laughs> oh, baby! Breaking in the box. I wonder if I should tell him that Mr. Sinister is really a 12-year-old kid. Is that really how this my concept of him? Yeah, well, no, no, no. I like that. It, my concept of Sinister is he's Scott's friend from the orphanage. Wow! What but he's, the heck? I love that. Right now, I don't know anybody. And Uh-oh. then get, get your ass up and because you have. Yeah, see, of, we're we're getting yelled at. Oh man, we're about to get the we're, dirt. We're trying to get him out of here. I promise. Yeah, we're getting scolding. We're trying to get him out of here. No, my my stand up. <laughs> Stand up. Two minutes, I'm done. <laughs> my, my concept of him is he's a 12-year-old kid, but his lifespan is over a 1,000 years, so he ages proportionately. So, yes, he's 180 years old. I see. Okay. But he only looks like a 12-year-old. Okay. That is amazing. Which is why he's designed Sinister, because no Chris, self-respect... taping off an area <laughs> for your, for your, for your <laughs> Okay. <laughs> They're spreading like the plague, okay? They literally have masking tapes. Serves them right. Do not exceed I'll talk boundary. quickly. Okay, go So, what Remember, was I happy wife, happy life, folks. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but the whole idea was that, no. She's he has to go now. I know. Because okay. he has a line. <laughs> To be continued. Okay. Thank you so much, Chris. Mr. Chris Claremont, Amazing. thank you so much, sir. We I appreciate you. it very thank much. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so it's much. It's such an honor. It's been I an absolute I honor. I email Brian Cranston and tell him, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Brian will love that email. That, of course, was Chris Claremont, right. an unbelievable uh, legend in the business. Um, we have uh, we were so happy to have him on the show, um, and uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful uh, gentleman, scholar, smart man, and absolutely brilliant. So what's so great about him again? <laughs> uh, there's a line, apparently, that's waiting for him to get there's to. There's a line for us, too, though. <laughs> I know. That's true. Um, Don't you see me on the banner? Yeah, <laughs> Yes, I do see you on the banner. Uh, Chris Claremont is uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, his wife was in studio. Uh, I think she hates booth. us now, though. She does. She totally hates us. Hey, listen, we told him he had to go. We just had one more question for him. But, well, uh, I mean, hey, it's not our fault, but not, she still hates us. Hey, she does. Um, so uh, big uh, thank you to Chris Claremont for uh, being part of the program today. I could have listened to him talk for the next, for the last hour, for the next hour, I should say. It was a lot of fun. Um, sorry, uh, by the way, <laughs> uh, I didn't mean for Alika to hijack your uh, to hijack your segment on the show, uh, but that's exactly what he did. <laughs> Wait, what? What happened, Alika? Oh, <laughs> he hijacked you a little that's bit. Okay. <laughs> Were you okay with it? All yeah, right, that's cool. totally fine. <laughs> Well, uh, listen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was Chris Claremont. Uh, we got more interviews coming up right here on the Nerdwatch podcast, happening right here live at uh, uh, the amazing Hawaii Comic Con. So stay tuned. More interviews coming up. More podcasts coming up right here. So until then, aloha. Aloha.